If reforms only layer more regulation upon traditional banks, they will just create more incentives for financial activity to move to less regulated venues. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today is Friday, January 15th, and that was FDIC Chair Sheila Baer. You heard at the top, she was speaking during the second day of the Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission hearings on Capitol Hill. Today, we have the second half of our look at Denmark. Denmark, the awesomest economy on earth, the country that figured everything out and figured out the best way to... All right, David, easy, easy. It's not the awesomest economy on earth. It's like this little boutique economy. They're freeloading off the rest of the world. They're going to crash at some point. They got no lessons to teach us. All right. It's somewhere in between being the awesomest economy ever created and some fluke that might crash at some point. But first, we have our Planet Money Indicator. The indicator is $117 billion. That's how much the Obama administration expects to get from banks in its financial crisis responsibility fee over the next 12 years. I love responsibility fee. The fee is basically a tax. It would be a tax on the largest financial firms that operate in the United States. And in case you hadn't guessed by the name, the money would be used to pay back the money that was lost in the bailout of those firms, the money lost through TARP. So that number, our indicator, $117 billion, is how much the White House estimates the cost of TARP is going to be. Now, there's a lot that we don't know about how this fee would work. The White House hasn't said how much each firm will pay, but they expect around 60% of that money to come from the 10 largest financial institutions. One analyst who broke down the numbers for Bloomberg said Bank of America would owe around $1.53 billion a year. J.P. Morgan Chase would owe one point five. billion. $2 billion a year. The banks naturally are not too psyched about this. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon said it was a bad idea, and he warned that, quote, all businesses tend to pass their costs on to customers. And our old friend Scott Talbot of the Financial Services Roundtable, a lobbying group that represents pretty much every firm that would pay this fee, I was shocked to learn, he was not in favor of his <laughs> clients and bosses paying a huge new tax. He says the tax could decrease the availability of loans and limit economic recovery. Okay, so Scott Talbot is a bank lobbyist, not the most popular kind of person these days, although here at Planet Money, he is our favorite bank lobbyist. We really like Scott. (laughs) He's a good guy. (laughs) Our favorite bank lobbyist. There's always going to be a favorite bank lobbyist. Sure, exactly. But he's arguing against taxes. Everybody hates taxes. That is an easy argument. Everyone hates taxes. Except the Danes. Come on. The Danes can't like taxes. Nobody likes taxes. Some of them like taxes. Some of them do. Which is where we're going next. Denmark, our awesome economy. As we, we talked about yesterday, the economic stats there, they are just like too good to believe. For, for the last while, Denmark has had really low unemployment, steady growth, basically no corruption at all, low income disparity. And the people there... Having spent a little time there, they're maddeningly pleasant and friendly and happy. And that is a little bit surprising, maybe, because I'm going to read you a headline from the Copenhagen Post here. It says, Denmark wins highest tax competition. It does not. (laughs) It does. The first line says, Denmark has always had an infamous reputation for its high income tax rates, but it has only recently taken the crown as the world's leader in that category. And that story was from 2008. All right, but I have one even more recent. This is from very late 2009. Denmark keeps world tax title, basically saying that half of the country's gross domestic product goes to taxes. That is 
way higher, almost double the rate in the U.S., where taxes amount to around 28% of GDP. And being in Denmark, you realize you're paying taxes everywhere on the hotel. And, uh, you know, I was in Copenhagen for the U.N. climate talks, which meant a lot of drinking bad coffee in the, their big convention center. Okay, that's a cocoa? Tough letter? Cappuccino. Cappuccino, okay. 30, please. How much is that? 30, please. And how much is tax? How much is what? Tax. Tax. 25%? That's pretty high. <laughs> it's excellent. We have a wonderful... Uh, they have Actually, I'm Swedish. They have it much better in Denmark because they have higher taxes. I love the idea that she maybe moved to Denmark so that she could <laughs> have the opportunity to pay more in taxes. Now, of course, in Denmark, the 25% tax on coffee, that is nothing. You were telling me on the podcast the other day about how much more heavily taxed you'd be when you get in your car. Yeah, the auto tax is the most impressive example. I actually couldn't believe the number when I heard it. When I got to Copenhagen, I met up with Per Gullestrup. He works for a shipping company called The Clipper Group. You may actually remember him. We had him on the podcast when Hanna did those stories about piracy because one of his ships was hijacked. And uh, when I was going over there, I remembered he was Danish, so I looked him up. And we were walking around the old harbor, and he pointed out that all the cars in the parking lot were, were pretty small. And one of the reasons, he said, was taxes. Well, it's very simple. You have a 180% uh, tax on the car, and then on top of that, you add another 25% VAT. 200% tax on the yeah, car. Yeah, so that, that, that's what it is. You get used to it. It's amazing, you know. You, you become immune after a while. I mean, you know, we, we are a little overboard in taxation, or a lot overboard in taxation in this country. But, uh, and, of course, uh, there are upsides and downsides to that. Now, David, we, we should do just some, some basic economics discussion of taxes because, I mean, in the U.S., taxes becomes this kind of parody, you know, Republicans saying, oh, Democrats just want to tax, tax, tax as if taxing was a goal. And, you know, Democrats and many Republicans point out that taxes are the only way you can have a government or one of the only ways <laughs> that they you know, provide valuable services, etc. The way at least some economists look at it, though, is that taxes are a drag on growth, that, um, that economies are most efficient when each person is choosing how to spend their money and, and you know, each person knows more about their needs. And uh, governments, when they are spending other people's money, there's less pressure on them to spend it efficiently. There tends to be more waste, more corruption. And overall, the country as a whole may be less well off than it would be if taxes were lower. So Denmark is this thing you see actually kind of often in economics, a fact that is theoretically impossible or a fact that, <laughs> that contradicts the theory. But but you were telling me that Danish people, they see taxes very differently from how we see them generally in America. They do. They're like, I get all this great stuff for my taxes. You know, the government does a good job. The government provides health care, which ranks among the best in the world. The government provides education. You go to college, don't pay anything extra there. As we mentioned yesterday, you can get up to four years of unemployment benefits if you lose your job. So when, when I got there, I talked to economist Ove Peterson about this. He's at the Copenhagen Business School. And he said one really interesting consequence of these high taxes is that there's very little class distinction. I mean, the gap between rich and poor is much smaller than in other countries because, Barkas, you're, you're taxing the rich so they can't get too rich. And the poor people, they get a lot of help. So everyone kind of gets squashed into this big, fat middle class. It gives the possibility for students coming from lower-level social groups to take the social ladder upwards and become uh, something that their parents could never have dreamt about. So the social, um, 
The social ladder in Denmark compared to the U.S. Is, is actually much easier, it's much faster, it's much more efficient. People travel from social uh, groups at the lower end to the higher end much faster and much easier than in the United States. I, I read that you Denmark had the lowest or close to the lowest income disparity in the world, is that right? Also the lowest uh, poverty rate in the world. So the lowest poverty rate and the lowest income disparity rate in the world? In the world, yeah. Um, is that because rich people, when people start to get paid very high salaries, uh, they leave the country? No, they are taxed. <laughs> <laughs> they get flattened out. No, the, no, the welfare state also is a, um, a mechanism for redistribution from the, uh, the, the richer parts of the, uh, the population to the, uh, to the, uh, the poorer parts of the uh, population. And the um, redistribution effect of the Danish welfare state is probably among the highest in uh, all the existing welfare uh, states. How do you have pro athletes? Wouldn't they leave because they would demand million dollar salaries somewhere? All our good soccer t- uh, soccer players are playing in Germany or in in, in Spain because they can earn <laughs> much more than in in, in, in Denmark. But uh, yeah, but it is fascinating because you don't see any brain drain in Denmark. Even if researchers are much better paid, for example, going to some high-level Ivy League university in the United States, they tend to come back to Denmark. Why? Because when they grow, when they establish a family, when they have their kids, they want their kids to grow up in Denmark, and they want the kind of uh, security that a Danish welfare state can provide. And it's okay that you'll never win the World Cup. Well... <laughs> <laughs> no, there are, that, that, yeah, there are no geniuses and there are no um, uh, world-class athletes in Denmark. But in general, you're doing good. You know, it's so interesting, David, and I think this is a theme we're going to be exploring a lot on this podcast, this trade-off, which I think is probably essential between sort of equality and stability on the one hand and economic growth on the other. Right. More, you know, libertarian economists, more more free market oriented economists would would argue I think that yeah, sure, if you have a real free market, yes, there's going to be more inequality, people with more skill, people who put in more effort are going to get more on the other end. There is going to be a bigger disparity. There's also going to be less stability. There are going to be booms and busts, but over time that free market economy is going to be so much richer. The pie is going to be so much bigger that every slice is going to be bigger and bigger. Um, I'll really anger some of our listeners anyway, quoting President Reagan, you know, a a rising tide lifts all boats, that kind of thing. And then, you know, obviously in in Denmark, um, you have economists who say, well, wait a second, we're willing to trade. And I'm sure there are many people in the U.S. who are willing to trade some degree of growth for stability and uh, equality. Now, I think over a short term, almost anyone would trade growth because each year growth is only 2 or 3%. Inequality and instability can be quite unsettling. I think what's interesting, is, as we've explored in our economic history sessions, is over a long period, over decades and centuries, that growth starts adding up and you start seeing kind of the phenomenal, unbelievable rise in the standard of living that, that you see in, in industrialized nations um, that you don't see in more centrally controlled economies. But of course... 
Denmark has benefited from that. So they really haven't had to pay as much of the cost as maybe some libertarian economists would have would have thought they would have. Right. I mean, it, it seemed like this amazing idea. I was walking around. It, it feels very different just to walk around there because – yeah, you know, I've been living in Baltimore, right? And it is just which has got to be one of the mo- most unequal cities really, in the country. It's really hard. It's just very hard to see. You feel like I've been to your house, and you you live in a nice neighborhood, but two blocks away, you get it's, it's the prison, yeah, yeah. and the boarded up houses, and it just you, you know, it's just it's just really hard to watch people struggle. And when you're walking around Copenhagen, it does seem like this huge, like it's just a huge middle class country. I do think that's a little bit of a, a, a fantasy, though, because um, I kept talking to people about that. And some of them were like, yeah, 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 it's sort of true. But that everyone's equal. Yeah, that everyone's equal. You know, but who wouldn't say that, right? But um, I, I talked to this student I met, uh, Sina Bull Olsen. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I said, is that true? Are all Danes really kind of equal? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Uh, just walking down the street, I feel like in the United States, you see someone who's really well dressed, and, and you think, "Oh, they have a lot of money." And you see someone who's, you know, you can you can tell, prob- you know, has a has a much lower paying job, or probably is not as well educated. Do you feel like if you walk down the street, you can say, "Oh, that person's sort of upper class. That person's middle class. That person's you know, lower class." I do. I do feel I can very easily categorize people. I mean, it's very easy for me to say now because I never find out whether I'm right or wrong. But um, I do actually feel so, yeah. I mean, especially as to, you know, where you live, that really tells you off. Like, we have we have sort of ghettos areas as well in the suburbs of Copenhagen, and then we have the northern part of Copenhagen, uh, which is indeed very, quite fancy. And it only becomes fancier the more northern you go. How, how fancy is it? Like, if I were to go drive there, what would I see? You would see extremely beautiful houses and extremely beautiful views, huge houses as well. Um, yeah, it's actually called the the, the fanciest place. Um, it's called the Whiskey Belt. What's that? How do you say it in Danish? Uh, the whiskey. It's just directly translated as for being the place where you know the women are just they don't really work and the men are sitting and smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. Uh, that's like really really cliche as well, stereotypic, but. Um, I think that's that's like the the thought behind it. That's why we call it the whiskey belt. Is there? Do you? Is what's the name in Danish? It's called whiskey belt, and uh, that just means the whiskey belt. How do you feel about paying such high taxes? I think it is terrific. It is. Wait, wait. Crazy. You think paying tra- paying taxes is terrific? I do actually think it is terrific, and I get <laughs> I get I get a little bit angry um, because constantly in Denmark there's this talk that we have to lower the taxes, lower the taxes, lower the taxes. And I can only say I'm, I'm very young. I am only 25 years old. And already this system has provided me with a great education uh, and, and help whenever I need it. I have been able to go to the library whenever I needed it. I have not been to the hospital many times in my life, but when I have been, it has not been a problem. I mean, I, I just, I think, I think we are so privileged that it is so wrong to uh, attack this system. Would you like to? Would you like to pay more taxes? Seventy percent, eighty percent. I can't say that I would like to pay more taxes because I mean I'm also only human. I would like, yeah, my own money. But I can say that I do think it is very fair that the tax rate increases with your level of income. And I do feel that um, 
I mean, that is the reason why we in Denmark, despite of what I've just been told you, we can say we have a low disparity of income, like we have a low disparity of income, do you say that? Yeah. Because we do allocate the resources, and I think that is a good thing. I love David. It's it's like you went to Bizarro Land, where, where everything is the opposite. Although I will say that uh, living in New York City, yeah. some of my friends say stuff like, I wish I paid more taxes. <laughs> <laughs> they can, you know. You can just write a check. Um, I mean, this is one of the things that fascinates me when you go to countries and you start to think about like how everything you see is actually shaped by the way that they've set up their economy. And so this is a discussion I ended up having uh, over and over again with people there. Uh, and uh, I had this conversation with Per Golistrup. Remember, he's the um, shipping executive for that kind of medium-sized shipping company while we were walking around the old harbor. It's so interesting. It's so – it's, you know – I mean, I, I think of our countries as being very similar, but like there are these real differences, economic differences in how they're set up, and it just plays out very differently. No, it, there's no two ways about it. It's, it, it's two different systems and the two, two different approaches, uh, and both sides has a strong points and its weak points, as far as I'm concerned. But you seem like you know uh, all the businessmen I talk to in the United States. I mean, you, you seem to you view your business the same way. You have the same spreadsheets. You have you know, right. Oh, absolutely! Right? No, absolutely. There's, there's no two ways about it. But but uh, we we just in general, I don't. We're not as money driven. I mean, when we when we have enough to have our nice cars and our nice house and summer houses and can go on vacation and so on, it kind of stops there. I mean, for us, it's not a game as to who has the most when he dies, he wins. I mean, it, it, it it's a different approach. Yeah. yeah. What strikes you when you go back and forth? To the United States and here economically, just like what when you come, what, what strikes you? Oh, I, I, we just came back. We spent a few days in New York, my wife and I. I mean, the, the, the immediate thing is that that, that, that you go to, to a place like New York is the vibrancy of the city. I mean, it is so much more vibrant. I mean, it's a totally different scene. New York is. Yeah, New York is. But I mean, you go you, if you go to Houston or you even go to Washington. I mean, the minute you get out of the airport, it's a different pace. The pace is a, it's a little slower. Why? Why? Because we're not, uh, why? I mean, that's just speculating. But we're not chasing the, the almighty buck the same way that I think the Americans are. I mean, and, and I'm not saying what's right or what's wrong, but it's, it's just, it's just a, a different mindset. Yeah, the economist I was talking to, he said, um, he said I don't remember exact, his exact words. He said, we have no geniuses and no billionaires or something like that. You know, that those people go, but we, but we do quite, we just sort of do we, do, we do quite well. You know, like you don't have those, those, that high extreme, but but everyone is the overall level is somehow lifted. Yeah, and I think that's a big danger is that we we have this tendency of doing quite well, and in Denmark we have this uh, a big difference between Denmark and the states is, for example, if you go to a, f- a football match or you go to a sport, you know any sports activity, it, it's you know whether you win or lose, it's it's not so important. I mean, you know, it's my you know you you participate. You didn't win, you but you participate. Where in America, second place doesn't figure, and we don't have that killer instinct. And 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 I I feel that that that's dangerous because we we have this attitude. Yeah, you know, but we're doing we're done, we're doing fine. I mean, we've done well so far, but that doesn't mean you're always going to do well. The world the world is a dynamic place and things changes and 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 I do see some very very big structural issues and problems for Denmark going forward. You know, David, a few years ago I was at this business school in Paris and I was talking to the um to the guidance counselor sort of helping business school graduates figure out what jobs to take. She was half American, half French, sort of grew up in both places, and she said 
if a kid is really ambitious and wants to make a lot of money, she says, get out of France. She doesn't necessarily say go to America, although that's one of the places. But she says, get out of France. But if a person is less ambitious, they're perfectly comfortable being a well-off but not fabulously wealthy member of the upper class in France. She says, okay, you can stay. (laughs) But if your ambitions start increasing, you got to leave. But David, can I just give a pet peeve whenever I'm talking to Europeans or I was talking to a Canadian friend the other day. Do you know anyone who's like, like in America, do you have any friends or relatives who are hungrily trying to get rich? I can't. I have one cousin who I guess you could kind of argue lives that life. But it's not like all Americans are all the time. Like you and I work in public radio. Right. Lots of my, you know. But there are those people here, I think, who right. are driving. Right. It's a possibility, yeah. but it's not everybody. I just, I feel like sometimes I think Europeans think we just, every single person in this country wakes up every morning. But thinking, those people, they are here. <laughs> Right, and they yeah. don't exist elsewhere. They, right? they, yeah, they don't exist anywhere. Um, I, I should add that Denmark is sort of rethinking this tax thing. Like, they're not sure they want to be first place, the the country in the world with the, with the highest taxes. They'd like to win a World Cup. You know, they're worried they'll start losing more than you know just athletes. They'll start losing you know Doctors heads of industry. And, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So the income tax there right now for the highest wage earners, um, it's sixty three percent. And that's going down this year in 2010 to 56%, which is a pretty big drop. I, I should be clear that high wage earners, those are not, that's not like the ultra rich, the super millionaires. That's anyone who earns over $81,000. That puts you in the highest tax bracket. But they are trying to lower the taxes a bit for those people. And I, I think it's also worth noting that the U.S. during very high growth periods, yeah, we had, high, we had yeah. real 90% yeah. was the highest tax rate, right? Yeah. All right, David, I think that does it for us and Denmark for now. Um, So please let us know how you feel about paying taxes. If you do want to pay extra taxes, the Planet Money tax. No, no, just kidding. All right. But do send us your email about taxes or whatever else to planetmoney at npr.org. Do you think Denmark's better than us? Yeah, let us know. Uh, Or leave us a note on the blog, npr.org slash money. I'm David Kestenbaum. I'm Adam Davidson. Thank you for listening.